I never thought I would say these words. Republican Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy has endorsed the murder of Ashley Babbitt January 6, 2021 at the United States Capitol. It's a special edition of the Doc Washburn Show. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn, where the show that pushes back against Uniparty and lets you into the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 339 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show for Monday, February 6, 2023. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time. A lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. And I will never pretend a man can become a woman. And I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners most Republican politicians refuse to even mention. And August 8th, 2022, the day the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented and unconstitutional raid on the home of a former president of the United States is a day that shall live in infamy. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com, click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and... Make sure you check out our new conservative sports podcast, Red Pill Sports, with my friend Donnie Copeland. It drops Tuesday evenings at 11 p.m. Central. Okay, I'm not going to put words in anybody's mouth. I want you to hear, if you haven't already heard, because some people have, but a lot of people haven't, exactly what a reporter asked new Republican Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, and what his response was. And we do have some more social media files coming up a little bit later. But right now, this story is so important. One of the first things Marjorie Taylor Greene said from the oversight dais was that Ashley Babbitt was murdered. Do you think Ashley Babbitt was murdered? Or do you think the police officer who shot her was doing his job? I think the police officer did his job. That's disgusting. I mean, you may as well go out and uh, endorse abortion all nine months. You know, the police officer murdered her. Now, speaking of which, federal law talks about this, and I think my uh, friend Mark Levin has discussed this on his show already. 18 U.S. Code 1111, murder, and it begins. Murder is the unlawful killing of a human being with malice aforethought. Every murder perpetrated by poison, lying in wait, or any other kind of willful, deliberate, malicious, and premeditated killing or committed in the perpetration of or attempt to perpetrate any arson, escape, murder, kidnapping, treason, espionage, sabotage, aggravated sexual abuse or sexual abuse, child abuse, burglary or robbery, or perpetrated as part of a pattern or practice of assault or torture against a child or children, or perpetrated from a premeditated design unlawfully and maliciously to affect the death of any human being other than him who is killed, is murdered in the first degree. 
and the other murders, murder in the second degree. Okay. Did you notice the three words lying in wait were in there? Now, this is something that has been adjudicated up and down our court system. And lying in wait is still very much an aggravated circumstance when it comes to the charge of murder. But here's the problem. Michael Byrd hasn't been charged with anything. Matter of fact, Michael Byrd refused to even cooperate with the police investigation of the shooting. The only statements that we have from Michael Byrd are the ones he made to Lester Holt in the softball interview on NBC. That's it. And he told Lester Byrd he had no idea if Ashley Babbitt was armed. Now, what does this tell me about Speaker Kevin McCarthy? And by the way, I was trying to give the folks who held out, Lauren Boebert, Matt Gates, people like that, I was trying to give them the benefit of the doubt that they... Um, were able to negotiate some concessions from Kevin McCarthy, and they very well may have. You know, he kicked uh, Ilhan Omar off the uh, Foreign Affairs Committee, kicked Swalwell and Schiff off the uh, Intel Committee. Okay, you know, that, that's good. But it pales in comparison to this, <laughs> endorsing the murder of an unarmed woman who wasn't doing a thing to hurt anybody. Oh, she was an insurrectionist. Oh, she should have been there. Oh, she's trespassing. Well, as you know, there was no insurrection. Nobody brought a gun to the Capitol that day. And if you've taken the time to actually look at any of the video, you know the crowd was peaceful and wasn't really interested in going into the Capitol until police officers started shooting flashbang grenades and tear gas and hitting people, these metal canisters, and then other police officers in another part of the Capitol start inviting them into the building. I see people on social media all the time. Well, she should have listened to the warnings. She should have obeyed the police. There were no warnings. That tells me that you're just lying, that you didn't even look at the video. There were several uniformed law enforcement officers right there with her. When Michael Byrd shot her, they grabbed their guns like, hey, is somebody shooting at us? Kevin McCarthy, who they say, Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene, Greene have both said that he's going to release all 14,000 hours of the security camera video of what happened on January 5th and 6th. Kevin McCarthy needs to watch the video of the shooting of Ashley Babbitt and he needs to either apologize or resign because he's certainly the wrong guy for this job. He needs to apologize or resign. This is, uh, this is outrageous. Now, a while back, I interviewed the great Nick Searcy, Hollywood actor, conservative. He was in the uh, TV series Justified for six seasons. He directed and was one of the stars of the movie Gosnell, about Kermit Gosnell, the uh, abortionist, 
who went to prison for killing babies who'd already survived abortions in Philadelphia. Um, if you've ever seen the movie Greater, the Brandon Burlesworth story, uh, Nick Searcy was, had a very big role in that movie also. Anyway, I, I interviewed him. It was an honor to interview him a while back about his movie, Capital Punishment, Everything They Told You Is a Lie. And you can find it at the website, capitalpunishmentthemovie.com. And here's what Nick Searcy said on Twitter about McCarthy's statement. He said she was murdered. Speaker McCarthy is a terrible choice. The GOP is part of the ruling class. Kevin McCarthy was asked about Ashley Babbitt's murder and his response as people upset. Unbelievable. Now, I wonder also if McCarthy is a coward and he just doesn't want to upset people that he has to rub shoulders with every day. You know? So some guy who called himself Brian M. Watson responded to Nick Searcy and said, she was in the middle of a riot with people smashing down the doors to the House chambers. Be a part of violence, ultimately get the violence visited upon you. Nick Searcy responded, she was trying to stop the people breaking down the doors. Please stop showing your pathetic ignorance. Go watch some more MSNBC, you pathetic little slave. Um, Donald Trump responded. I'm going to tell you about that here in a minute, but first... Ashley Babbitt's mother, Mickey Withoft, responded. And here's what she said. Well, he was asked by a reporter if he thought that Ashley Babbitt was murdered or if the cop was just doing his job, and he said the cop was just doing his job. So I just would, would uh, ask McCarthy to look into Bird's record and realize that he had prior excessive use of force issues. He also left his loaded weapon in a public bath- bathroom for somebody else to find, and that on any other police force he would have been fired for either one of those two things. Um, and and uh, look into his record before you open your mouth, and I just wonder if he's had enough to actually watch my daughter's public execution or if he just says whatever his his handlers tell him to say so uh, that's a question i intend to ask him as soon as i'm able to i can't imagine the pain that ashley babbitt's family is going through she's murdered by a man in uniform in cold blood i can't imagine the pain that tyree nichols family is going through in Memphis, Tennessee, murdered by five men in uniform, cold blood, cold blood, cold blood. But at least they arrested the police in Memphis, not in D.C., not in Washington, D.C. So let me tell you what President Trump said. Let's go over to uh, Reed Cooper, the D.C. Inquirer. President Donald Trump took his to his booming social media platform, Truth Social, on Thursday afternoon to disagree with and correct Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy, Republican California, who told reporters the police officer who shot and killed January 6th protester Ashley Babbitt was just doing his job. Trump said, I totally disagree with the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, and that the police officer thug 
who has had a very checkered past to begin with, was not just doing his job when he shot and killed great patriot Ashley Babbitt at point-blank range. Despite trying to keep him anonymous, shielded, and protected, this misfit proudly showed up on NBC Fake Nightly News bragging about the killing. He was not a hero but a coward who wanted to show how tough he was. Ashley Babbitt was murdered. So again, I, I don't know, because a lot of times when reporters ask questions from uh, to politicians, the, the, the reporter's voice is not very clear, you know, when you hear it on the radio or when you hear it on a podcast. Sorry, I'm so used to being on the radio. So I want to, I want to tell you exactly what the reporter said. One of the first things Marjorie Taylor Greene said from the Oversight Committee dais was that Ashley Babbitt was murdered. Do you think Ashley Babbitt was murdered, or do you think the police officer who shot her was doing his job? And, of course, McCarthy answered, I think the police officer did his job. 27-year-old political prisoner Jake Lang told the D.C. Inquirer in an exclusive interview in reaction to McCarthy's comments, the spineless House Speaker McCarthy showed his true colors. Ashley gave the full measure for her country, boldly defending this great land from a new generation of tyrants that have tried to destroy us from the inside out. She is a national icon and a hero of a generation. God bless Ashley Babbitt, who was murdered in cold blood by a coward oath-breaking officer, Michael Byrd. May God bless the memory of Ashley and her mother, Mickey's bold battle for her legacy and truth. By the way, President Trump has promised to pardon the January 6th political prisoners convicted of offenses in the January 6, 2021 protest. At a rally in Texas in January of last year, he said, if I run and if I win, we will treat those people from January 6th fairly. And if it requires pardons, we will give them pardons because they are being treated so unfairly. So you got that. Julie Kelly, the great Julie Kelly over at amgreatness.com, she responded to uh, Kevin McCarthy's comments saying, Bird violated every use of force guideline in his quick trigger killing of Ashley Babbitt. Lawmakers had been evacuated, police next to and behind Ashley at the time. She posed no threat. McCarthy needs to correct this egregious comment. Now, I need to bring Marjorie Taylor Greene into the conversation because the reporter was quoting her. And a lot of people were very surprised since she has been one of only a handful of people in Congress trying to raise awareness of the plight of the January 6th political prisoners along with people like Paul Gosar and Louis Gohmert and Matt Gates and Lauren Boebert and a precious few others. A lot of people were very surprised that unlike Gosar, Matt Gates, Lauren Boebert, Gohmert's out of the Congress now, she was not one of those standing up and trying to resist McCarthy becoming Speaker. She was whole hog very much 100% in favor of McCarthy becoming Speaker. So since the reporter asked Kevin McCarthy, you know, quoting Marjorie Taylor Greene, what she said 
about Ashley Babbitt, I went out on social media to see if she, Marjorie Taylor Greene, had said anything about Kevin McCarthy's comments that Lieutenant Michael Burr, the police officer, had just done his job, you know, that he didn't murder Ashley Babbitt. And so the same day, she posted a screenshot of what President Trump said on Truth Social. She posted this on her Twitter feed. President Trump saying, I totally agree. I totally disagree with the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, and that the police officer thug who has had a very checkered past to begin with was not just doing his job when he shot and killed great patriot Ashley Babbitt at point blank range. Despite trying to keep him anonymous, shielded, and protected, this misfit proudly showed up on NBC fake nightly news bragging about the killing. He was not a hero but a coward who wanted to show how tough he was. Ashley Babbitt was murdered. So Marjorie Taylor Greene posted a screenshot of President Trump's those comments from him from Truth Social. She posted over on her Twitter feed, and she said, I've watched the videos of Ashley Babbitt's murder. Yes, she was inside the Capitol, but the only violence she committed was punching another January Sixer in the face after he broke the window. Not an officer or lawmaker. She punched a January Sixer and tried to stop him. Then Bird shot her. So I'm, uh, I'm impressed that she spoke up. I didn't know if she would, because she and uh, Speaker McCarthy uh, are pretty tight there in the uh, politically speaking. You know, she was a big backer of him becoming Speaker of the House, but he needs to apologize or resign. I'm 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 dead serious about that. There's no excuse for this. You know, you may as well just you may as well say the abortionists are just doing their job. All nine months. Because murder is murder is murder is murder. So there's really no excuse for it. And it is a, it is a dark, it was a dark day when Kevin McCarthy said that at, at the end of last week. And this is the first chance that I have had to, uh, to address it. How deep is the deep state? You know what it reminds me of? Everybody thinks that, uh, um, Mitch McConnell is pro-life. Well, you look back to the mid-90s when Teddy Kennedy sponsored the FACE Act, Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances, which made it a federal crime for people to peacefully block abortion mills temporarily until the police would haul them away to give other people, just a few minutes to try to talk the mothers out of having the babies killed. Mitch McConnell was one of the Republicans to vote for that. So don't tell me Mitch McConnell is pro-life. And don't tell me uh, Kevin McCarthy is either. Not if you can excuse murder. Somebody tell me the difference now. Abortion is murdering babies. Shooting Ashley Babbitt at point-blank range, lying in wait 
That's aggravated. That's first-degree murder. That's not second-degree. According to federal statute, I'm just going by the law. I'm just going by the law. Now, we, we, we do have uh, some more Twitter files and some, some Google files that, that should have been dropped. Got a lot to talk about today in the Doc Washburn Show. That's coming up straight ahead. If you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Auto comes in. Red River Auto is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including the freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Auto wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. Red River Auto Group has perfected the online buying process. Just go to redriverauto.com and pick from hundreds of new and used vehicles. You can purchase your vehicle online. If you have any questions, one of Red River's trained experts will help you through the whole process. Red River Auto makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom. The dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live in the continental United States. RedRiverAuto.com. You will be glad you did. Now, as you've probably heard by now, our friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everybody get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop by simply creating my pillow, the best pillow ever. Mike also created the best bed sheets ever. They look great, they feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for me, which is crucial for my busy schedule. My wife and I just love sleeping on our Giza Dreams bed sheets. Now, Mike is offering the best deal on his Giza Dreams sheets. You can get a set of Giza sheets for as low as twenty nine ninety eight. The first night you sleep on these sheets, you'll never want to sleep on anything else again. Mike is making a special offer for my listeners. Get a set of Giza sheets for as low as twenty nine ninety eight just by using promo code DWS. And right now, a set of pillowcases for only nine ninety eight. In this economy, instead of buying a new bed, rejuvenate your bed with a MyPillow mattress topper for as low as $99.99. MyPillow also has blankets in a variety of sizes, colors, and styles like plush, waffle, or gossamer for as low as $29.98. Get huge discounts on duvets, quilts, down comforters, and so much more. Now use that promo code D. WS, and you'll get huge discounts on all MyPillow bedding, including MyPillow Giza Dreams sheets for just $29.98. Now, I wear my new My Slippers moccasins all the time. I had no idea slippers could feel this good. I also had no idea that you could walk outside in freezing weather. I did in 15-degree weather a few weeks ago. And my moccasins, not wearing any socks, and my feet did not get cold. That's amazing to me. Right now, save up to $90 on my slippers, slip-ons, and moccasins. Mark down to just $49.98 by using promo code DWS. Not only that, Mike is having the biggest closeout sale ever on his sandals and slides for as low as $19.98. What makes my slippers different is Mike's exclusive four-layer design that you're not going to find in any other slippers. 
My slippers' patented layers make them ultra comfortable, extremely durable, and they help reduce stress on your feet. Wear them anytime, anywhere. Just use promo code DWS. Now remember, that promo code does not stand for washed-up Democrat Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Ho, ho, no. The promo code DWS stands for Doc Washburn Show. MyPillow.com and Mike's other website, MyStore.com, with all kinds of different stuff on there. But you got to use DWS to get the great values. Quantities are extremely limited at these amazing prices, so please order now. Just use promo code DWS at MyPillow.com and MyStore.com. All right, now. I need to tell you about, oh, oh, yes, before I forget, before I forget, just a moment, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene also mentioned the fence is back up around the Capitol for the State of the Union address because Biden knows walls work on the ground. Joe Biden's more afraid of Americans visiting their Capitol than a Chinese spy balloon invading our airspace it could have carried God only knows what. Well, God bless her. She's right about that. She's absolutely, positively correct about that. So now the new fence going back up around the Capitol, that makes one wonder, doesn't it? I mean, my friend Robert Spencer of Jihad Watch fame. He's talking about it. Buck Sexton. Buck Sexton and Clay Travis have a nationally syndicated radio talk show. Same time Rush Limbaugh used to be on. Buck Sexton says, the regime is so insecure in its own mind that it must go through this laughable pretense of security theater. Robert Spencer responds, this is designed to reinforce the ominous insurrection narrative implying that foes of the regime are dangerous and beyond the bounds of acceptable discourse. It's explained in my new book, The Sumter Gambit, how the left is trying to foment a civil war. Now, Robert Spencer has written a number of fantastic books. And I'm honored, blessed to count him as a friend. And I have an interview coming up with Robert Spencer on Friday, February 24th. Before that, we're scheduled to interview General Michael Flynn on Tuesday, February 14th, Valentine's Day. You want to save the date on both of those. Robert Spencer, 2 p.m. Central. February 24th, a Friday, and General Michael Flynn, noon central, on Valentine's Day. I would be willing to say they're going to be the kinds of interviews unlike anything you've ever heard before. And I'm not trying to blow my own horn or anything. I'm just saying they're going to be different. They're going to be different. Now, my friend my friend John Basham out there on the... On Twitter, John Basham, Basham is a, a meteorologist, and he's retired U.S. Army, and a data scientist, and uh, 
did signal intelligence. He said, hey, Julie Kelly, doesn't Speaker McCarthy control the House Sergeant-at-Arms, the Capitol Police, and therefore wouldn't he be the only one who would approve the fence going back up around the Capitol? See, that's another thing that Kevin McCarthy needs to answer for. Yeah, what's up with that? What is the deal with the fence going back up? You heard what Buck Sexton said. You heard what Robert Spencer said. You heard what John Basham said. Julie Kelly does have some thoughts herself in response to Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene's comments. Julie Kelly just said seven words. Is the regime planning another pretend insurrection? Well, what do you think? By the way, uh, I'm I'm trying to get the Twitter files. I'm trying to get the Google files. But um, I I just got to. I got to say one more thing, and I got to follow these folks here on Twitter. Nova campaigns, Northern Virginia issues, and they're all about trying to register Republicans in Northern Virginia, which is a noble cause. And they got video of police beating up January 6th protesters. And they said in Memphis, Cops are fired and charged with assault and murder for throwing punches and beating with batons. On January 6th, cops were rewarded with congressional medals and book deals. So, we got that. Let me tell you about the latest Twitter files that I haven't had a chance to get to yet. Because... The last four episodes were the blockbuster article in four parts from the Columbia Journalism Review, The Press versus the President, Jeff Gerth, who reported for the New York Times for 29 years. And if you haven't heard episodes 335 through 338 of the Doc Washburn Show, you're going to want to go check it out because the Columbia Journalism Review and Jeff Gerth himself, former New York Times reporter, they're by no means conservatives. But they looked at the facts. They looked at the fact that Donald Trump was ridiculed, was made fun of for years for claiming that the media was ganging up on him and the people were making up the Russia collusion hoax. And you know, Jeff Gerth, in the pages of the Columbia Journalism Review, well, online, I'm sure there's a hard copy somewhere, is saying, you know what? But he was right. It was all made up. And you got entities like the New York Times winning Pulitzer Prizes and they won't give them back. We stand by reporting, even though they know it was all lies. And this is a guy who worked for them for 29 years. So anyway, you, you want to go back, and you have a moment, and listen to episodes 335, 336, 337, 338. That was all about the press versus the president. Those first three episodes, I think they were titled What the Media Did to All of Us. The idea being what Trump used to say, it's not so much they hate me, they hate you, and they're trying to 
go through me to get to you. Well, they, they came to hate him pretty quickly, but, but he was right. All right, Emily Jashinsky over at thefederalist.com, article entitled, New Emails Suggest Twitter Misled Public on Hamilton 68 Data Pushing Russia Hoax. Okay? Let's check it out. She says, new emails released as part of the Twitter files show the company appears to have misled reporters, politicians, and the public, allowing a high-level disinformation operation to fester in government and media. A comparison of emails uncovered by Matt Taibbi with the company's public statements in 2018 reveals serious discrepancies. This operation, known as Hamilton 68, was founded by former FBI agent and current MSNBC contributor Clint Watts. It functions as a digital dashboard where journalists and academics can gauge alleged Russian disinformation being spread by specific lists of people online. Matt Taibbi's latest report, which is over at his Substack, and it's just open.substack.com if you want to take a look. Matt Taibbi's latest report, because she links to it, on internal Twitter documents included emails from former head of trust and safety, Yoel Roth, proving the company knew the anti-Trump dashboard was spreading false information that wrongfully classified Americans as Russian bots. This allowed the data dashboard to fuel false media and Democrat claims that President Donald Trump had treasonously colluded with Russia, hamstringing Trump's execution of his presidential duties. Well, that sounds like, uh, I think we got a word for that, don't we? Don't they call that treason? Anyway, Taibbi discovered that Twitter reverse-engineered Hamilton 68's methodology to recreate its highly publicized list of alleged Russian bots. Publicly, though, Twitter was feigning ignorance. In a January 3, 2018 email, former Twitter head of trust and safety Yoel Roth said his reverse engineering proved Hamilton 68's claims of providing data to prove Russian disinformation was festering on social media were totally bogus. He wrote in the internal email, they don't know that we have the list, though, and they've refused to release it. Roth recommended hitting the Alliance for Securing Democracy, one of the groups behind Hamilton 68, with an ultimatum, quote, either you release the list or we will, unquote. The timeline here is important. Roth reverse-engineered the list on October 3, 2017, and emailed it to his colleagues in a Google Doc. Over the next several months, Twitter employees repeatedly vented their frustrations with Hamilton 68 over email. The amount of media attention the project was generating created a public relations headache for Twitter, so they were eager to expose the truth about the dashboard. Frenzied politicians desperately clinging to the Russia collusion narrative started to pressure Facebook and Twitter in early 2018, when Republicans on the House Intelligence Committee 
penned a now vindicated internal report on FBI abuses, a hashtag that said, release the memo went viral on Twitter. Molly Hemingway from The Federalist noted all the way back in 2018, quote, when the hashtag went viral, Representative Adam Schiff had a theory that it wasn't the American public that was interested in abuse of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. Nope, it was Russians. Secret Russian bots were trying to make it look like Americans were interested in FISA abuse against a Trump campaign affiliate. Now, citing Hamilton 68, Adam Schiff and Senator Dianne Feinstein, Democrat California, wrote a letter to then-Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey and then-Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg demanding their companies crack down on alleged Russian bots. Twitter responded with a letter defending its work to police foreign interference and analysis of the release the memo hashtag. General Counsel Vajaya Gad wrote back, has not identified any significant activity connected to Russia. Worse, Ms. Gad claimed Twitter could not evaluate Hamilton 68's claims. She said, because the Hamilton dashboard's account list is not available to the public, we are unable to offer any specific context on the accounts it includes. But Twitter had it, though, so she's lying. There may be individual cases where Twitter accounts are operating within our rules but are included in the dashboard. We have offered to review the list of accounts contained in the dashboard, and this offer remains open. Yet the emails Matt Taibbi uncovered five years later show Twitter had the list for months before that point. Yoel Roth himself wrote in an email three weeks earlier, they don't know that we have the list. In mid-February 2018, Emily Horn wrote, we're working extensively with reporters off the record and on background to explain the flaws of Hamilton 68's methodology without getting into our full knowledge of it. She said, we have to be careful in how much we push back on ASD publicly. Oh. Okay, now, ASD stands for Alliance for Securing Democracy, one of the groups behind this Hamilton 68 that is giving patriotic Americans so much grief by claiming they're Russian bots. So, Emily Horn's concern along with that of a colleague who was frustrated but understood the need to play a longer game, was that Twitter couldn't kill critical media stories with off-the-record warnings if it didn't also go public with what it knew. Both former Twitter employees now work in the Biden administration. I'm shocked. I'm shocked, I tell you. Hamilton 68 intentionally concocted junk science and concealed important parts of their methodology to bolster a narrative against their political opponents. The intended end result was to silence and discredit all dissent. A stunning number of journalists at allegedly top publications and even researchers at allegedly elite universities took the bait, as Matt Taibbi's story in the latest Twitter files shows. Twitter's internal records raise questions about what key Democrat politicians like Adam Schiff and Dianne Feinstein knew about Hamilton 68. Did Twitter brief them privately on its public knowledge of the list? Were any reporters briefed on that as well? Was Vijaya Gad seriously 
unaware that Roth had the list for months at the time of her letter? The evidence suggests clearly that Twitter employees who never counted on Elon Musk buying the company and releasing their emails actively misled the public about a powerful political hoax. Now, that article is from Emily Jashinsky over The Federalist. She is the culture editor at The Federalist and host of The Federalist Radio Hour. Previously covered politics as a commentary writer for The Washington Examiner. And the article is entitled, New Emails Suggest Twitter Misled Public on Hamilton 68 Data Pushing Russia Hoax. You know what? I'll bet you. I'll bet you there are going to be more Twitter files. Don't you think? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Now, before we get to the Google leaks, I need to, I need to share something with you here. And this is from Eddie Scary over the Federalist, the D.C. columnist of the Federalist and author of Liberal Misery, How the Hateful Left Sucks Joy Out of Everything and Everyone. And I, uh, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I, I feel like it's, it's my duty to share this with you. And it's, it's only four minutes long, and then we'll get to the, the Google files. Eddie Scary's article is entitled, It's Far Too Late for a Reckoning of the Trump Years. The Corrupted News Media Are Irredeemable. He says, if you have nothing going on and 10 hours to spare, you should still find something to do other than read the tragically long article in the Columbia Journalism Review that builds itself as a reckoning for the appalling misconduct of the news media during the Trump years. It's too little and about six years too late for that trash. Well, I don't think it was trash. I think it was worth sharing with you. But he says, mummified legend Bob Woodward is quoted in the piece authored Last week, by former New York Times journalist Jeff Gerth urging newsrooms to walk down the painful road of introspection. Gerth himself says news outlets and watchdogs haven't been as forthright in examining their own Trump-Russia coverage. He takes through a series of prominent writers and editors who declined to comment on his exhausting attempt at serious, very, very serious media accountability. Eddie Scary says, so what? It's kind of like a postscript to, to the last four episodes of the Doc Washburn show. He says, so what? They did what they did. They continue to do it. They've achieved their goals and shown they're willing to defend their victories with whatever it takes. But we, the people who call BS from the beginning, are supposed to be impressed, grateful even that someone of prestige is acknowledging that we were right. He says, Girth, Woodward, and the rest can go practice having a stroke. Wow. No amount of painful road of introspection can fix what the media, conspiring with the Democrat Party and the permanent Washington bureaucracy, did to this country and to American democracy. They beat a terrifying lie, a sitting president as an asset of a foreign adversary, into the public consciousness for more than two years, crippling the political agenda Trump was duly elected to enact. 
and certainly aiding in the denial of a second term in, uh, uh, of a second term in office. Oh, but look, look, here's a renowned journalist giving them a stern talking to. He says, nobody cares. It's over. They won, and they've never stopped. As horrid as the media was pre-Trump, its shortcomings were mostly recognized as liberal bias. What they did beginning in 2017 and ever since isn't bias. It's dishonest. It's malicious. It's evil. Well, yeah, he's right. I mean, all you have to do, all you have to do is turn on CBS Face the Nation on Sunday morning. And every time Margaret Brennan has a Republican on there, she starts talking about election deniers, election deniers. And she gets really emotional. She's not a reporter. She's not a journalist. She's a stenographer for the, for the regime, as many of them are. Eddie Scary continues, Jeff Girth even has the nerve to offer the media some cover in his piece, faulting Trump, who as president, quote, seemed almost to be toying with the press, offering spontaneous answers to questions about Russia that seem to point to darker narratives, unquote. That's a convenient explanation for the two years of breathless, unrelenting headlines and cable news graphics declaring that the walls are closing in, the noose is tightening, and we're at a turning point of the Russian saga. Remember those? That went on for years, for years. And then, one sleepy Sunday in the spring of 2019, Attorney General William Barr revealed the truth. The Justice Department special counsel, Robert Mueller, with unlimited resources and funding, found no collusion between Trump and Russia. It was time to give up the ghost, so they did. Yeah, right. They then claimed that even if there wasn't technical collusion, there were attempts at collusion. There was never going to be an admission that the country had been conned, manipulated. Instead, they eventually changed the subject, agitating nationwide rioting over race conflict that doesn't exist and instigating mass hysteria over a virus that passed through 99% of the population without incident. They did it, all of it, to dispose of Trump and discredit the movement that put a genuine Washington outsider at the highest level of government for the purpose of real fundamental change. It was a great success. Let's eagerly await the long road of introspection the corrupt media will take in 2029 when, again, it's too late to do anything about it. You know, I, um, by the way, that's Eddie Scarry, S-C-A-R-R-Y, over the Federalist article entitled, It's Far Too Late for a Reckoning of the Trump Years, the Corrupt News Media are Irredeemable. I, I just got to tell you, um, I don't do this to sugarcoat things, you know, and I appreciate you guys listening because I know you want something different than what you hear on some podcasts and some radio talk shows. I'm just not going to sugarcoat it. So, coming up, the Google files. That's coming up next. Now, you know, I hate that our country is so divided that it's us versus them, but one of the things I don't believe and I don't agree with is that it's 50-50. I believe that Donald Trump had a landslide election win stolen from him in November of 2020. I don't by any stretch of the imagination believe that the country is divided 
I believe that people who believe in the original idea of America, including our constitutional rights, are the overwhelming majority. I don't think you'd have had impromptu Trump motorcades leading up to the November 2020 election in deep blue areas like Beverly Hills in New York City if that guy wasn't immensely popular. And there's a reason he was. Still is, for that matter. So it's important that we try to stop feeding money into those who are against us and against everything we hold dear. Now, AT&T's satellite channel, DirecTV, last year they got rid of One American News, and a few weeks ago they got rid of Newsmax. So if I was an AT&T customer, I'd, I would say, well, I'm getting rid of you. No, no, more, no more cell phone money going to AT&T. Well, what, what can you do? I'll tell you what you can do. You can, you can switch to Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless carrier, and save money while you're at it. Now more than ever, it is important, so important, to band together and support companies that share our conservative values. Patriot Mobile donates a portion of every dollar earned to organizations that fight for causes you care about. Patriot Mobile has exceptional nationwide coverage and uses the same towers the main carriers use, Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, and they give you a coverage guarantee. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget, along with great discounts for our veterans, first responder heroes, and, and even for folks who are just multi-line users. I'm a multi-line user. I'm saving a lot of money with Patriot Mobile. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're shifting your support from the leftist progressive agendas of big mobile to the Christian conservative causes of Patriot Mobile. When you become a Patriot Mobile member, your dollars are helping to fund our God-given right to freedom. A portion of every dollar they earn is given back to the causes that support organizations that fight for First Amendment religious freedom, freedom of speech, Second Amendment right to bear arms, sanctity of life, and the needs of our veterans and first responders. Switching is easy. Just do what I did. Go to PatriotMobile.com or call the U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT and make sure you use promo code DOC, that's D-O-C, for free activation. PatriotMobile.com, or just call them at 972-PATRIOT and use promo code DOC, D-O-C, for free activation. Now, I have been telling folks who listen to the Doc Washburn Show for eight and a half years about the best-kept secret in American health care. And if you've never heard it before, listen up. Are you having problems with sinuses and allergies? Are you experiencing dizziness, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar, fibromyalgia, eczema, psoriasis, even migraines? The Arkansas Upper Cervical Center might be able to help you even if you don't live in Arkansas. Let me tell you how. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. 
If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain. When that happens, your central nervous system isn't able to communicate with the rest of your body as designed to do. Now, I had severe hay fever for five or six weeks every spring all my life. When I got my atlas adjusted, the hay fever went away, and it has never come back. I have migraines, bad migraines. They're not, are not any good ones, right? Year-round. Got my atlas adjusted, and the migraines went away too. Again, if you're suffering from sinus conditions, allergies, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar, fibromyalgia, eczema, psoriasis, even migraines, do yourself a favor. Call my friends at Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009 for a free consultation. They've helped me. They've helped my wife. They've helped so many people we know. Please call them to see if they can help you. That number again for your free consultation is 501-279-2009. Now, if you're outside central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, find the tab that says Find a doctor near you. Just click on that tab, and I sure hope you can find a doctor near you. All right. Again, I've been talking for a long time about how the world's going crazy with supply chain issues, record-setting inflation, sky-high gas prices, woke corporations that stand against everything we believe in. We all know how the big box stores were allowed to stay open all during the pandemic. While so many little guys, small business owners, regular people were forced to close, the wealthiest people on earth became better off while mom and pop businesses suffered. The question is, what are we willing to do about it? What can we do about it? How can our voices be heard? Well, we can make a difference by voting with our dollars. Why continue shopping at big box stores if you can get the items you need from a family-owned company? Now, finally... We can shop Factory Direct at a family-owned, made-in-America manufacturer. Switch to America.com is helping Americans walk away from the big-box conglomerates. That's why Switch to America was created, with regular folks like you and me in mind. One of the best ways to get around this crazy inflation is to shop with family-owned companies that put their customers first rather than shareholders and corporate executives. A lot of Patriot influencers have come on board. I'm inviting you to join with fellow patriots to cut off the cash flow of the big woke corporations that are trying to destroy our country. We are done with a woke globalist operation against humanity. Each of us can take market share away from these businesses that have enjoyed unfair advantages. We can choose to help each other by shopping family-owned, made in America. Join with over 2 million monthly shoppers that have already made the switch. Let's start voting with our dollars to make sure our purchases are supporting companies that promote freedom. That includes their new product, an exciting addition, fresh American-raised beef raised in the Montana mountains near Yellowstone. This beef is known as never, ever, never has the animal ever been exposed to antibiotics or hormones. This prime or high-choice beef is shipped directly to your door. Pricing and availability is exclusive only to our members and isn't shipped anywhere else in the world. SwitchToAmerica.com is dedicated to offering family-owned alternatives for items we buy on a regular basis. Just go to SwitchToAmerica.com. When it asks how you heard about us, click on my name, Doc Washburn. Plug in your info, and I'll have one of my guys contact you. That's SwitchToAmerica.com. All right. 
I have shared with you some writings, and I wish I knew the guy's real name, but he's, he, he's, he has a huge following over Substack, and he uses the Hawaiian word, Kanakoa. Kanakoa the Great over kanakoa.substack.com. And last week he came out with something I didn't have a chance to get to yet, but now I need to share it with you. The thread he put on Twitter, hashtag Google leaks and Twitter files. In 2019, 950 pages of Google's internal documents leaked, providing evidence of Google's use of blacklists and machine learning algorithms to censor conservatives and populists. He says these are the types of source documents Elon Musk should release. Google receives 5.6 billion daily searches, controlling 90% of global search traffic. YouTube, owned by Google, has 2.3 billion users. Our beliefs are inseparably linked to search results, but Google is a biased source of information, and the tech platform actively manipulates what we see. Did you know that? In 2021, former Google software engineer Zachary Voorhees whose Twitter handle is Perpetual Maniac, published a book in which he explained that the turning point was the election of Donald Trump. The morning after the election, employees cried, lost their minds, and planned their resistance. The book was entitled Google Leaks, a Whistleblower's Expose of Big Tech Censorship. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. himself said, Zach Voorhees is an American hero. Google co-founder Sergey Brin said in an all-hands company meeting, I certainly find this election deeply offensive, and I know that many of you do too. He said many people apparently don't share the values that we have. Kent Walker, and he links to little videos of this stuff from that, you know, confidential internal meeting. Kent Walker, Google's chief legal officer, suggested Trump voters were motivated by fear, xenophobia, and hatred. He described how Google would take on the rise of populism and nationalism. In many ways, Google did lose the 2016 election to Donald Trump. Alphabet chairman Eric Schmidt Alphabet was the name of the uh, parent company back then. Now it's called Meta. Alphabet chairman Eric Schmidt gave Hillary Clinton's team a campaign plan a full year before she announced her run for president. Eric Schmidt was the head outside advisor to the campaign. The Hillary campaign's chief technology officer, Stephanie Hannon, and chief product officer, Osi Emioke Paria, came from Google. Two other key Clinton campaign staffers, Derek Parham and Jason Rosenbaum, also previously worked at Google. 
Google Pay for free rides, for a get-out-the-vote for Hispanic voters operation, and employees called it a silent donation to Hillary Clinton's campaign in internal emails because they thought it would help her win. Tech employees are notoriously aligned with the political left, with 96% of Google's employees donating to Democrats during the 2018 U.S. midterm election. Now, this is... uh, this is something right here. A hundred percent. A hundred percent of Netflix employees donated to Democrats during the 2018 midterms. Almost 99% of Twitter's employees. Almost 98% of Airbnb's employees. 97.5% of Apple employees. 97% of Stripe employees. 96% of Lyft employees, 96% of Google employees, almost 95% of Salesforce employees, 94.5% of Facebook employees, 94% of Tesla employees, 93.5% of eBay employees, 92% of PayPal employees, 92% of Microsoft employees, 89% of Amazon employees, 81.5% of Uber employees, 80% of Hewlett Packard employees, 78.5% of Intel employees and 66% of Oracle employees all donated to Democrats during the 2018 midterms. So from the perspective of this Voorhees guy, the whistleblower, when Google launched a crusade against so-called fake news, what it meant in actuality was censoring the ideas and arguments of Donald Trump and his populist supporters. Anything pro-Trump or anti-Hillary was labeled as fake news. And, you know, he told James O'Keefe about it over Project Veritas. Let's, uh, let's, Let's check that out. Let's see what he said. When you sat down with me last time on uh, the story that we released on June 24th, you were disguised. You were in the shadows. Right now... There's no disguise. I felt that our entire election system was going to be compromised forever uh, by this company that told the American public that it was not going to do any evil. This is the best thing that I can do in the situation that I'm currently at. And the thing is, is that the American public needs to understand what's happening. Um, I'm going to, you know, uh, publish this information so that other people can see the system that Google has built in order to control the entire information landscape. This is something that once people see, it's going to bring, it doesn't matter whether you're left or whether you're right. When you see this, both sides are going to agree that this is wrong. So my message to those that are on the fence is I've released the documents. They can go and they can see everything that Google is doing. And then they can see the scale of it. Because I think that there's a lot of engineers that have a hint that things are wrong, but they don't understand the colossal scale that it's at. And so for those people, I say, look at the documents. Like, like take the pulse of Americans, see what's happening. And come and, and tell the world you know, what you already know to be true. And I, and I know that people have been waiting for, you know, this Google Snowden moment where somebody comes out and explains what everybody already knows to be true. 
And I'm hoping that those that want to do something are going to be compelled to act and that we together can come together and defend ourselves in uh, the case of litigation. You know, they can stop like one or two of us, but they can't stop all of us coming out and explaining to the American public that this is what's happening, that Google is not who they say they are. You're going to be a hero. It's going to be fine. Like, like, you know, clear your conscience. You'll be able to live with that for the rest of your life that you did the right thing. Wow. So again, that was a whistleblower. That was uh, Mr. Voorhees. Zachary Voorhees. Speaking to James O'Keefe or Project Veritas. And the information is at projectveritas.com. Now we continue with uh, Kanakoa from his uh, Substack and from his Twitter thread. He says, in 2019, Project Veritas released footage of Google executive Jen Ganai discussing preventing the next Donald Trump situation. She remarked, we're also training our algorithms like, if 2016 happened again, would we have, would the outcome be different? YouTube CEO Susan Wojcicki described how Google uses machine learning and classifiers to bury trashy news and promote authoritative news. Machine learning is when algorithms are fed real-world information and learn to make decisions based on the patterns they find. So what were these classifiers? Well, he's got a screenshot of a leaked document, Fringe Ranking slash Classifier. Google ranked ABC, CBS, and CNN as more authoritative than the trashy Fox News and Breitbart. This is how big tech manually interjects political bias into search results and algorithms. They define a few fringe searches and mention humans training their censorship artificial intelligence followed by a flow chart that says people are programmed. These are the types of source documents Elon Musk should release to show how Twitter promoted specific ideas and suppressed others also. Zachary Voorhees released one Google blacklist that flagged hundreds of conservative websites to be censored or pushed down in search rankings. For example, Daily Caller, Western Journal, Red State, Gateway Pundit, Stephen Crowder, Michelle Malkin, and Glenn Beck were all censored. Zach Voorhees released a YouTube blacklist that showed hundreds of topics censored from search results on YouTube, like Las Vegas Shooter, Sandy Hook, GOP Train Crash, Heritage Foundation, Anthony Bourdain Murder, Kate Spade Suicide, Pro-Life, Late-Term Abortions, and Crisis Actors. Google CEO Sundar Pichai, no, I didn't sneeze, sorry, that's his name, and Vice President Karen Batia had previously testified to Congress that the company was not manually intervening or utilizing blacklist in search results. Based on Google's own internal documents, Sundar Pichai and 
Karen Bataya lied to Congress. There's a word for that. You know, it's called perjury. A study found that Google cost Republican candidates over $2 billion in donations since 2019 by flagging 77% of their fundraising emails as spam. During the same time, Gmail marked less than 11% of Democrat fundraising emails as spam. Elon Musk should consider allowing Dr. Robert Epstein to examine the Twitter files. He's a Harvard-educated researcher, former editor-in-chief of Psychology Today, and the premier academic studying how tech giants use algorithms to manipulate behavior. Dr. Epstein's research over the last decade has documented how Google, Facebook, and Twitter shift millions of votes without anyone noticing. Many of the concepts that his research pioneered are used by Twitter to subconsciously swing election results. In summary, Elon Musk should release source documents on blacklists and machine learning algorithms used to stifle free speech. Giving access to an expert like Dr. Epstein would help show the world how a handful of Silicon Valley executives manipulate the minds of billions. You know, I got to say, that is a really good idea. And I hope, I hope that Elon Musk will do that. He's, he's done a lot of good stuff already. And a lot is at stake here, you know. I remember when uh, Tucker Carlson had Dr. Robert Epstein on a few years ago talking about how Google could really affect elections. And that was that was scary stuff. So I hope that Elon will take that seriously. All right. Having said that, it's that time again. Hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. And it's brought to you by Red River Auto, the big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to online have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental USA. Now, today's tweet of the day is from a guy that calls himself Free Markets 5. And it is the brilliant insight of Dr. Thomas Sowell. Here is today's tweet of the day. Dr. Thomas Sowell. The tweet links to a short YouTube video. Dr. Thomas Sowell, and it's entitled, This Will End Racism. And he's being interviewed by Peter Robinson of the Hoover Institution. Quote, few subjects produce more fallacies than race. Among these fallacies are that, now get ready, I'm going to give you a a passage here. Race was the basis of slavery, that racism is the main reason for black-white differences in incomes, and in all the other aspects of life that depend on income. Moreover, 
there is often an implicit assumption that racism and discrimination are so closely linked that they go up or down together. Now, what you have produced is a handful of outrages, and we'll take them one at a time. How's that? Race wasn't the basis of slavery? Oh, it's a simple historical matter. Uh, slavery existed for thousands of years as far back as there are any records of human beings. Uh, archaeological finds suggest that, race, race, that slavery rather existed before human beings could read and write. So, what race, a racial difference between the slaves and the enslavers, that is a relatively new phenomenon. You, you didn't have in ancient times the ability to go to another continent and move millions of people across, of a different race across the ocean. So you enslaved the people who were nearby. The Europeans enslaved Slavs for centuries before they, enslaved, before they brought the first black uh, African to the Western Hemisphere. Okay, but so you're not suggesting, you do not wish to say anything other than that slavery as practiced in the United States was, it may have been recent, but you'd, argue, you'd be willing to grant that it was particularly perverse and, and, and destructive no, that, because, because race got mixed into it at that point, right? Race got mixed into it in the United States more than anywhere else for a very simple reason. The United States was founded, as the Declaration said, uh, of Independence, said uh, men are cre- all men are created equal. Right. If that's true, then the only way you can justify slavery is to say that some men are less than men. I see. So the racial but in, but, in, but in Brazil, where where Brazil imported more slaves than the United States, there was no such ideology. Brazil was not a democratic country. The whole issue never arose. I see. I see. All right. Race doesn't account for differences in black-white income. No, the the, the differences between uh, uh, income between Western Europeans and Eastern Europeans is greater than the difference between blacks and whites in the United States. Differences in income are are, are the rule. They are not the exception. So, looking at all these sociological studies that show a persistent gap Mm. between African Americans in income and every other form of American in income is what? Useless? It tells us things that we don't need to know. It misleads us. How would you describe that? Uh, wrong, I think, sums it up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is not true. Uh, Hispanics uh, have a lower per capita income than blacks. Hispanic households and families have a higher income than black uh, households and families, simply because the Hispanic uh, families are, are larger. Okay. Now, this last assertion, race and discrimination you suggest, are not so closely linked that they move up and down together. First of all, dis- describe, di- di- distinguish the two, race and discrimination. Well, you, well, ra- 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 well racism is, is, is an attitude inside people's heads. Right. Discrimination is an overt act taking place outside in the real world. Okay. So now, and so, not only with blacks, but you find the same thing with Jews in previous uh, centuries, that that part of the United States... Where, where there was the most racism against blacks, namely the South, right. is where black construction workers were much more common than they were in the North, right on into the 20th century. 
uh, most people aren't aware that in the South, blacks were the construction workers. I remember a professor at Howard University saying that when he was a boy in the South, his father uh, pointed to some man on the street and said, he was the first black construction, first white construction worker in this town. And so what was going on there? The racism did not... So, so whites, whites could think of blacks as somehow or other separate, but they'd still employ them. Because, oh, yes. Because the market made it profitable to do so. Yeah, in fact, in fact like, yes. In fact, a law had to be passed to stop this because uh, in, the, in the 20s, and particularly in the, as the Depression got underway, uh, black uh, construction companies in the South using black non-union labor would come up to the North and underbid on government contracts, taking them away. And so this was, this, was ver- this was very common to the point where they passed the Davis-Bacon Act, which said that on government contracts, you must pay the prevailing wage, which, meant, which was translated almost invariably into the union wage. Yeah, right. so, so your point on the distinction between racism and discrimination is, don't worry about racism. It's inside people's heads. You can't measure it. Uh, there's a strongly subjective, just forget about it, concentrate only on discrimination, and the best answer to discrimination is to let markets operate, because then people will discover, it, it will tend to militate against discrimination. Oh, yes, when people have skills to offer, they'll be employed. Whatever this notion of racism in people's heads is, don't worry about that. Is that right? Yeah, the, the, what, I'm, what I'm saying essentially is that racism, racists may prefer one race to another, but they prefer themselves to everybody else. <laughs> So they'll they'll do what's profitable. That's right. That's right. And okay. that, that was even true in South Africa under apartheid. That there were hundreds of construction companies in South Africa that were fined in a government crackdown because they were hiring more blacks and in higher positions than they were allowed to under the apartheid law because that was where the money was. All right. That's amazing. That is Dr. Thomas Sowell. And um, one of his best-selling books... 2005 was called Black Rednecks and White Liberals. I don't know if he could get that book printed today, 18 years later. Maybe because he's black himself, they might let him get away with that. I don't know. I don't know, but that's uh, that's a remarkable piece of work there. And Dr. Thomas Sowell, who's 92 years old, is a remarkable gentleman. And that is your Tweet of the Day brought to you by RedRiverAuto.com. You've been listening to Episode 339 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier X. And that's the way it is. Monday, February 6th, 2023.